pray one more time. Father God, we love you, Lord, and we just thank you for uh, meeting with us here tonight, Father. Lord, we just thank you for your word, and we just pray that you would speak boldly tonight, that this message would be timely for people, Father, and that we can hear you clearly, Lord. We love you, and we praise you always. Amen. Tonight, we are going to be going through the parable of the ten virgins in the book of Matthew, and this parable is being told by Jesus to the disciples. So I'm going to go ahead and read it. It's Matthew 25, verses 1 through 13. Then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who their lamps, who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Now five of them were wise and five, wise and five were foolish. Those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took their oil in their vessels with their lamps. But while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. At midnight, a cry was heard, Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out and meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, No, lest there should not be enough for us and you, but rather go to those who sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy... The bridegroom came, and those who were ready went with him to the wedding, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came and saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he assuredly said, but he answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, I do not know you. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. Right? And so Jesus is telling this parable because at the beginning of chapter 4, it tells us in Matthew 24, 3, Now he sat at the Mount of Olives, and the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us, when will these things be, and when will be the sign of your coming and the end of the ages? And the, So my, my best guess is the disciples want to know when and where and how this is all going to happen, right? And so they ask the questions, because why? They want to be ready, Correct. So, and we're going to reread verses um, 1 through 9 again. Then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Now five of them were wise and five were foolish. Those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels and with their lamps. But while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight a cry was heard, and behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go, and go out and meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise, said, the wise answered, saying, No, lest there should not be enough for us and you, but rather go to those who sell and buy for yourself. Um, in this parable, let me set this over here real quick. There are, there are ten virgins, some versions of the Bible say bridesmaids, and they're all there for the same reason, right? They're all showing up to meet the bridegroom, who's Jesus. So they all have their lamps, they're all in the right place, and they're all there. So from the outside looking in, they all look ready to meet the bridegroom. They knew enough to know where to be and what to bring, and, some, and so, from the outside looking in, it looks like they're ready. It looks like they're prepared. The only thing the Lord said to describe how these ten virgins were different 
was five were wise, some versions say just wise enough, and five were foolish. So what was the factor that made them wise and foolish? The wise brought oil, the foolish did not. So when it was announced that the bridegroom was coming and it was time to prepare their lamps, five of those virgins got right to work and began to prepare themselves for Jesus and five didn't. It was at that moment where each bridesmaid was determined to either be wise or foolish. My guess is there is a bit of chaos and panic among the five foolish ones if this was a real story, right? All this time, these virgins have been either thought they were ready and were going to the wedding, or they thought they had a little bit more time, right? So all of this chaos going on, they are thinking, they're just having that realization like, I was going to go do that tomorrow, and it just sunk in that there's no more tomorrows, right? I'm sure there were lots of feelings and emotions going on. Now, before I truly understood what it meant to be ready for the bridegroom, I always thought the wise were a little selfish. Like, how hard is it to give your neighbor a little bit of oil for their lamp, right? The bridegroom's coming, right? But they were wise versions, and they didn't share, they didn't share their oil because... Um, the reality is, is what the foolish virgins asked for was impossible. It's a part of scripture. In this part of scripture, the word oil is referring to the spirit of God himself. These wise virgins knew there was no way they could give what they needed. People can't give God's spirit to another. We can be a light. We can be an example. We can pray. But it's only God himself that can put his spirit into people. The wise knew this, so they weren't being selfish. They were trying to be helpful and say, you have to go get it for yourself. Right? In Matthew 25, 9, it says, But the wise answered, saying, No, lest there, be, there should not be enough for us and you, but go rather to those and sell and buy for yourselves. They were telling them, you have to do this yourself. Nobody can do it for you. Right? As much as we want everybody to know Jesus, they have to make their own response to Jesus. We can't do it for them. We can pray, we can show them loving kindness, share the gospel, do say and be all the things Jesus asks, but if one comes down to it, they have to say yes. They have to get their own oil for their lamp, right? The unwise versions were waiting for someone they knew, but someone they knew about, but they didn't know. It's not enough to know about Jesus. So with all this said, we have to get ready. And when I say get ready, I mean get saved. I mean, we have to do more than know about God. We have to know him and invite him into our lives. I grew up going to church every single Sunday. I had the little ribbons to prove that I was there every, little, every single Sunday. And I went to youth group. I sat in service. I um, sometimes read my Bible, I prayed, I served, I loved people, and the list goes on. I was grateful for that time. However, on, during this whole time, I knew about God, but I didn't know him. I didn't have a relationship with him, and since I didn't have a relationship, there's no way I could have possibly known him personally. 
It appeared on the outside I was ready. I was at the right place, doing the right thing, saying the right stuff, but I had no oil in my lamp for myself, no presence of God in my life. I was a foolish bridesmaid. I was living out these verses, Matthew 7, 21 through 22. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, we have not prophesied in your name, or have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. It appeared to be I knew him, but I didn't know him personally. I didn't make a response to him. When I was 20, I found out I could have a personal relationship with Jesus, and I had a decision to make. I had a response to make, a response to make. So I decided to respond to the Lord, and I prayed a prayer and gave my life to the Lord. I had a revelation that I was a sinner in desperate need of a savior. I was a lamp with no oil. I repented, I asked for forgiveness, and gave my whole life to him. It was an intentional decision I made. I wasn't caught up in my emotions. I wasn't doing it to please anyone but the Lord. And since that day, my life has never been the same. I got ready. Today is a great day to get ready for the bridegroom, to get saved, to give your life to the Lord, to get some oil in your lamp. The next, two, the next part of this parable, um, in verses 10 through 12, it says, And while they went to buy the bridegroom, when they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went with him in the wedding, and the door was shut. Afterward, the virgins also came, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, I do not know you. It says, those who were ready went with him to the wedding. Not everybody gets to go to the wedding of Jesus and his church. Only the saved do. Only those who are ready. Only the wise go. Only those with oil, the presence of God in their life. Um, In the last part of this verse, it says, and the door was shut. And that part really stuck out to me because... The door is really going to shut one day, right? I think even as believers, we forget that. That one day, life on earth will end, whether we die or Jesus comes back. And I think we get caught up in the day-to-day stuff, and we we forget that heaven is real and all of that. Um, And that's why I love to meditate on Colossians 3, 2 through 4. It says, set your mind on things above, not on the earth. For you died and your life was hidden in Christ God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. I am to set my mind on things above. A heavenly mindset. My life is in Christ. The things of the world will pass. Be ready for heaven. Be prepared. Nobody can set my mind but me. So it's not like we, we get ready and then our mind is set for the rest of our lives. It's a renewing of our mind every day and intentionally keeping our mind on heaven and not on earth. Because there really is going to be a day that Jesus comes for his bride. It's going to be a real day that the Lord shuts the door and no more allowed in. And I I, sometimes I have to remind myself that's a real thing, right? The Bible's real. It says it in the Bible. It's real. 
when I read this, when I was reading through this, it made me think of Noah's Ark. And there came a time when the door had to be closed. For a hundred plus years, Noah was building the ark, talking about what was to come and sharing about God. I know most thought he was probably crazy because most of us know that story. But I'm sure some had to be so intrigued by what he was doing. And when I'm reading through this, I thought, how could you not be intrigued when you saw all these animals on their own coming and getting on a boat? <laughs> how does that not just like blow your mind? And it's not like, you know, some animals like to eat other animals. They were all willingly getting on the boat, not eating each other. And I just think, how, how could that not just blow people's minds? Right? But eventually... God tells Noah to get on the ark, and when God is ready, God closes the door. Noah didn't close the door of the ark. God did. Genesis 7, 16, so those that entered male and female, all flesh, went in as God, went in as God had commanded him, and the Lord shut him in. Noah was ready, right? God said, go in. Noah obeyed, so he didn't have to worry about being inside or outside of the ark. He was ready. God gave that generation about 120 years to repent and get on the ark. I wonder if they thought they had 121 years. Only eight people were ready for that door to be closed. This is going to happen to heaven's doors. It's open now, but there will be a time when it closes for eternity. What side of the door are we going to be on? What side of the door are you going to be on? It's your choice. Sometimes I picture God standing, because he says he's coming back soon, right? So sometimes I just picture God kind of holding the door, getting ready to close, and it's like, come on, come on. You know, because the time is short. The door is closing. Come on. Waiting for that last possible minute, that last kid to come through the door. Because he's going to have to close the door, because his word says it. So we have to be ready. Also thinking about Noah is not only was he ready, he stayed ready and he stayed prepared. Noah had a long life, a very long life. The ark was simply a small part of his his life, if you think about it, in years. He had a good 500 years before the ark even happened. That's a long time. I just made it to 50 and I feel like that's a long time. And I'm thinking, 500? You know, jeez. But he had 500 years of life before he even began building the ark. And I don't know the exact numbers, but about 400 after, right? And it was before the ark that God called him and saw him as a righteous man. The only blameless person living on the earth at that time. And how did Noah do this? Two words come to mind. Time and consistency. Right? It takes time and consistency to stay ready. When we get saved, that is a moment when we respond to God and say yes to him. That is one moment. That is a moment that can can be called when we became justified with Christ. A one-time event. Then when that happens, then after that happens, every day until Jesus comes home or takes us home, it's called sanctification. It's a process of growing and maturing and being refined in the Lord. It takes time and takes consistency to grow and mature in the Lord and stay close to him. 
Noah could not have lived a blameless life if he didn't spend time consistently with the Lord. Noah could not have obeyed God without consistent prayer. He had to consistently give of his time to be with the, to be with the Lord. Remember, he didn't have these beautiful Bibles that we have now with pictures of the ark, the dimensions all laid out so you don't forget, and all this stuff. He didn't have that. So I, my guess is I don't have a very good memory is that he had to consistently go and ask and seek and listen constantly and consistently to do the will of the Lord, right? Um, Noah couldn't build an ark, raise a family. He was raising a family at this time. Stay holy amongst the mockers in his own strength. Noah had to consistently call upon the Lord and walk in God's strength. There was no other way. Time and consistency were two words I heard a lot growing up from my dad. My mom and dad are here tonight. My dad taught us this principle with money. To grow your investments takes time and consistency. This principle can be applied to all areas of your life. If you want to learn something new, start a new habit, break a bad habit. Um, most of you might have made New Year's goals, New Year's Eve goals or resolutions last night or today. To make those happen, you can't just write them down and they're going to happen, right? You're going to have to put in some time and consistency and more time, right? If you want a good marriage, it's going to take time and consistency. The 23-year version of us looks way different than the five-year version of us. We're way better now. <laughs> but it took 23 years, a lot of time, a lot of consistently pouring into each other, and um, to grow us. And I hope five years from now, we're better. I hope 10 years from now, we're a better version from us of us. But to... Oh, I hear myself. That's my <laughs> I'm like, I just said that. That's weird. Live stream. Okay, where was I? We don't want to say the same. We want to grow and flourish. And that's how it should be with our walk with the Lord, right? If we did nothing over the last 23 years after we said, I do... I would hate to see what the quality of our marriage looked like. Yeah. Or if we, we would still be married. We can have one, with, one, moment, uh, one moment with the Lord and be saved, but if you don't put in the time and consistency it takes to grow, you're not going to grow. God has a plan for each of us, but we have a part to play. Christianity is not a spectator sport. If you want to grow, you need to dig in and grow. No one can do that for you. No one. It's exciting to be a part of the work of the Lord, but it takes a lot of work on our part. It's interesting that the next parable in the Bible right after this one is the parable of the talents, where God gives the example of an owner giving talents to his servants before he is to go away for a while. The owner comes back and has an expectation that his servants did something with the talents he gave them while he was gone for a long while. In Matthew 24, Jesus tells the disciples the temple's going to be destroyed. He talks about the second coming, what that will look like. Jesus goes right into the parable of the ten virgins, telling us to get ready. And right after that, the parable of the talents. And then after that, it's judgment. He tells us what's going to happen. He tells us to be wise and get ready, and then do something with the talents he's given you. Yeah. Right? 
he's, he's given us talents while he's, well, for us, while he, we're waiting for his return because judgment is coming. He lays it all out there for us. He's not trying to trick us. It's not some game show where there's two doors, one and two, and like, I hope you pick the right one. I'm not telling you what's behind him. He's not doing that for us. The doors are open. Here's door number one. Here's door number two. Here's exactly what they look like. Read your Bibles, right? And so we, but we, he doesn't choose for us. He gives us a, he gives us a chance to response. We have the choice to make. God didn't just declare Noah righteous. Noah lived a life that was blameless. He used the talents God gave him. He didn't have a secret only given to him. Noah did. How did Noah live a blameless life? He simply just lived it. He consistently said no to the things of the world and yes to the things of God. He did this consistently over time. And we have the ability to do this too, right? How do we live a life ready and prepared for the bridegroom? One day at a time. When you fall, you get back up, right? When you mess up, you repent and you keep going. Time and consistency will help stay prepared, help you stay prepared for the bridegroom. It is one of those concepts that's really simple, but yet challenging to actually do. We love our time and we love to fill it with our will and our way. But again, we have a choice, our will or his, prepared or not. Okay. The last verse of this passage, verse 13 says, Watch, therefore you neither know the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. I wonder if the days of Noah, people thought, I'll live my life the way I want, and then when it starts to sprinkle rain, I'm going to run to the ark. I thought of it, so I thought maybe a couple other people might have thought that too, you know? But here's what's interesting. The door was closed before the rain came, right? There was no sprinkling to give a warning, to let people know now was the time to get on the boat. They did have a warning. They had 120 plus years of watching Noah build an ark. They had the warning of the animals coming. They had all, that was their warning. That was them saying, get ready, get ready, get ready. The bridesmaids, they didn't have time to go buy oil. It was right here. You had to be ready. No one knows the day or time, but we know this. And we know this because God says so. In Matthew 24, 36, it says, but the day and the hour, no one knows not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. Matthew 24, 44. Therefore, you also be ready. The Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. And then again, in Matthew 25, 13. Watch therefore, you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. We know that we don't know. He tells us that. We know that we don't know. And I think we all think we have this kind of little warning period about last-minute repentance, right? And we do. It's right now. It's today. This is your warning. Get ready, right? God is generous, and he gives us more than a moment. He's given you every day up to today, right? He's given us um, not only his time, but he's given us his word. It's all laid out for us exactly what to do, how to do it. 
He's gracious. He's given us um, his word. We know the end. We know all of it. He's given us this parable saying, get ready. I'm giving you a big clue. Be ready because you do not know when I'm coming back. And that's the beauty of his word. He tells it all. Not only do we have the word, we now have the Holy Spirit. We have pastors and ministers. We have churches. We have smart people interpreting the Bible for us. We, I really can't think of anything else that we could actually use yeah. in order to get ready. He, he's given us all. I feel like we, this, this time of day or age, that we have no excuse yeah. to not know anything. Yeah. Right? Um, I, feel, I think people have this idea of waiting to repent until they're on their deathbed. And here's the deal. is. We actually really all are on our deathbed right now. Yes. We're on our spiritual deathbed. And so this is the time, this is the day, because we don't know. So we're already kind of there. Not, I, I do believe that people on their last breath that repent go to heaven. I believe the criminal on the cross, I believe he's there, right? He had his last breath, or he confessed right before his last breath. I, I do believe people on their deathbed that pray the prayer go to heaven. I believe that. But here's what I know, is we all don't get those moments. Not everybody dies in a bed waiting on the Lord. As a chaplain, almost every family I serve are surprised by their loved one's death. Some knew it was coming, but they thought they had another day. They're still surprised on that day. And there, there's others that are shocked because sometimes death is un- untimely and sudden. So not only do we not know when he's coming back, but we don't know when our last day will be either. So we really have to take today and get ready. There is time to repent before your last breath. Today is your day, your criminal cross moment. <laughs> you know, this is the day. Yeah. So just wrapping up, I just wanted to encourage you in a few things. One, get ready. Make a response to Jesus. Say yes to him. Ask for his presence in your life. If you are ready, I want to encourage you to stay ready. Stay prepared. Remember time and consistency. Be wise with your talents that he's given you. Be the servant that comes back and has used your talents wisely. And I encourage you not to wait. Don't think you have more time than you do. Surrender today and get ready today. Let's pray. Uh, Father God, we just, oh Lord, we just love you so much. We just, Lord, we just thank you that you're a God that gives us your word, Lord. We thank you that you care enough to, to tell us what we need to know, how to, how to do life, how to get ready. How to, how to be at the wedding with you on our last breath, Father. Lord, I just pray right now, if there's anybody in this room, watching online, watching however else you can watch this, that has not made that response to you to get ready, Father, I pray that today would be their day, Father. Today would be their day of salvation. And if that's you tonight... It's, it's not this big fancy prayer. It's a simple yes to God. It's a simple of giving up your will, putting your pride aside, and saying yes to the Lord. And if also there's, 
if you had made that commitment, if you said your I do to Jesus a long time ago, but you have not tended to your relationship over the years, today's a good day to get back into it and to put in that time and that consistency and to allow the Lord to, to grow you. And if that's you, I just pray that today is a marker for you that you're, you're going to put that first in your life. Father, I just love you, and I thank you for this word, Father. I thank you that um, you've called us to be ready, and I just pray that people today would get ready for your coming back, Lord, that we can honor you with our lives, that we can lay down our pride, we can lay down our wills and our ways, and humbly just walk, for, walk before you and just um, have our lives be pleasing unto you. We love you, and we thank you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.